I'm Charlie Taylor. I'm Ben Carter, and I think Moneybag Yo is a once-in-a-lifetime legendary artist. And I am director of The Fifth Element, where I did not see that coming, and I also highlight Fifth Element Hip Hop, which is knowledge. And welcome to the Green Digits. Picking up the reference. Uh, yeah, it wasn't that good, was it? Yeah. What is it? Just tell us, and we'll know. Oh, it's Trump. It was supposed to be Trump, but I, oh, I made okay. it British all of a sudden. I, got, I bled into British, and I was like, fuck. <laughs> British <laughs> Trump. British Trump. Yeah, British, British okay. Trump. So just <laughs> Boris, then. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I could have done that in there, but uh, one of the topics is not Boris related. But yeah, I could have done that if I wanted to. But, you know, but That's not bad, actually. You're underrated. Your your impressions are underrated. I don't think people give you the credit you deserve <laughs> for your impressions. I mean, I, I mean, bro. As soon as we managed to find a way to have uh to to give me a reason to do uh, David Attenborough on a hip hop podcast, that will be life complete. Uh, I think we'll we will achieve uh, Nirvana, and uh, we will ascend uh, to uh, to paradise. Uh, but until then, hi Ben. How's your week been? I don't know where I was going with that. I mean, what have you been listening to this week? I mean, I, I, I can try and find a link somewhere, but like, we'll, you know, it might take a while, but we'll get there. We'll get there. Maybe episode 200 or something. So Fuck. this week I only listened, I only want to talk about two albums because I'm kind of lazy and I didn't write anything down for the other albums, but The Off Season by J. Cole uh, has to be spoken about. Actually, this is the album I was, I've always wanted J. Cole to drop for like since born sinner you know cole is a great rapper he's really technically proficient and his voice sounds incredible on a track and his feature run from 2018 2019 is is total proof of that but the issue i always had was whenever he rapped on his own beats it sounded like he was playing it safe almost like he wasn't pushing himself as a rapper now that's not to say that those songs weren't great but it is to say that i think this level of Cole rapping was we, we just weren't seeing it. We only saw it on on features. Now he's always pushing himself as a writer. I actually think I had said that when I reviewed Revenge of the Dreamers, and even when we did the Revenge of the Dreamers episode, I'm pretty sure I said that. But his pen game has always been amazing for a really long time, and the concepts and stories and narratives he creates on his records are, I would say, close to peerless in the late 2000, mid 2010s. But I feel like I was missing out on mixtape Cole, you know, feature Cole. This is him. He sounds so re-energized and focused. Uh, it was really powerful to hear him rap this well again. Yes, there's a couple of bars on there that I didn't really fuck with or that I thought was a bit mid. But, I mean, that's the same, like, so there's so many artists out there doing that kind of stuff. Like, it's, it's fine. It's just the level he was rapping on this. And I didn't go into this record thinking I was going to dislike it. But I did go into it wondering where he was going to go after KOD because I think KOD, he went a little bit too far with the narrative concept where it it felt a little bit too preachy to me. I'm not saying it was a bad album. Mm. I like the message. I like the thought behind the message. But it did come across like he was speaking on things that, you know... Finger wagging. It was a little bit of that. It was just a touch of that. And there's nothing wrong with that in the sense of like... You know, when you're talking to people who aren't going through this and you're uh-huh. trying to like 
bring up, Don't you know, it's kind of like um, Logic with the 1-800 song. Like for anyone, you know, the people I've spoken to who are suffering from the kind of things he was talking about were like, yeah, that song's not for us. The song is to raise awareness. And KOD was to raise awareness. And that's cool. You know, a lot of people really respect that album and it really spoke to them. And that's amazing. But I really wanted Cole because I love Born Sinner. I really do. I think when Cole just spits crazy, and he did, man. So we got we got J. Cole, the offseason. We got some crazy bars. And, and I'm excited to see where the fall-off goes. Like I don't want the fall-off before the offseason. This is perfect. This was so perfect to put this in between because now it's like a palate cleanser. It's like, that's right. J. Cole is mm. an incredible rapper, and he slays everything he touches, and he can do that. Now I'm ready for more narrative concept. And maybe that's why I didn't really like KOD as much as I liked For Your Eyes Only because I was like, we got Forest Hills Drive, For Your Eyes Only, KOD, bang, bang, bang. And it was kind of like if you just put, you snuck a mixtape in there in the middle there, you know, of him just rapping over other instrumentals or other producers, I would have really loved mm-hmm. KOD even more. That might have been the reason. Yeah, I'm not saying KOD is bad. It's like a seven, seven and a half out of 10, but I think For Your Eyes Only is a 10 out of 10. I think Forest Hill Drive's a nine, and I think Born Sinner's a nine as well. So anyway, I'm just riffing because, like, I don't have a lot to talk about. But I really do want to talk about Moneybag Yo, A Gangster's Pain. I haven't written anything down here. It's going to come straight from the heart. It's going to spend its second week at number one this week. And he's the first rapper to do that since Juice World, rest in peace, Juice World, in August of 2020. What an album, man. What an album. What an artist. What a respectful artist. The reason I'm doing this, by the way, is because he uh, he reposted me, right, on Instagram, and he actually credited me. He actually credited me, and I got 500 followers in like three hours. And the, the amount of times I've been reposted on Instagram with no credit whatsoever, except my little logo in the, in the image, no one can click on the logo. No one can go to my page from the logo. No one's going to go, oh, wonder who this hip-hop numbers is. They're just going to double-click on the <laughs> thing. And then, But... Moneybag Yo is the first artist to do it since like Cardi B like a year ago. And so shout outs for you, Moneybag Yo. Thank you so much for doing that. I woke up this morning and I saw that that post had like 100,000 impressions and 500 new followers. I'm like, what the fuck happened here? And I went on his page and there it was. And and I respect that. And actually, I did like that album a lot. So yeah, that's why I was kind of jumping around with that. But yeah, man, Moneybag Yo, thank you very much. That's what I listened to this week. Charlie, what about yourself? That makes so much more sense now. <coughs> All right. Um, yeah, I got into five little projects. Uh, really enjoyed these. Uh, started off with Friend of 5e e Breeze, gu- Gourmet Souffle. Um, I really like the... Uh, I, I, I don't know, man. Like, I just enjoy it when, like, artists come through with just, like... Um, uh, there actually is... A, uh, he does work with uh, one producer on this front. Uh, let me just uh, see if I can get the name up right quick, just to give credit. But um, yeah, I, 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 I've said before, I enjoy his um, ability to just uh, just give constant sports bars uh, and sports references, and they actually work like in the frame of everything, um, and just how they're constructed. So I really respect that. Uh, just. Uh, uh, it's a style, it's a style, you know, same way of how certain people talk about money all the time, or talk about weed all the time, talk about cars all the time, uh, or talk about uh, general luxury bullshit all the time. Um, you know, it's it's, it's it's the same thing, and I feel like uh, Breeze does very well on that front of, uh, <coughs> of um, dropping constant 
boss sports bars. Um, so him and uh, Tony Fats, I think is that Tony Fats? Yeah, Tony Fats. Shout out to Tony Fats on the beats. The beats were clean on there. I actually really enjoyed that. Uh, especially Carl Stockton. Ooh, mad track. Nice track. Nice track. Good stuff. Um, but yeah, yeah, solid, solid, uh, solid little project. Shout out to Breeze. Uh, put me on once again. Always appreciate that. Uh, Blue Lab Beats. We will rise. Little EP. And this is definitely. Uh, one for the EP list potentially on definitely on the short list uh, for the end of the year I freaking love this project this is crazy clean uh, first track oh my gosh blow you away uh, with uh, ghetto boy and I, I I'm not one for uh, afro beats uh, to be completely honest um, I, I think it's just because I haven't really given time to uh, give myself time to explore the genre properly. Uh, because whenever I hear an Afrobeats track, it's usually just like you know the popular stuff. It's Burner Boy, it's Wiz Kid, right? It's you've you've heard them, and I hear them, and I'm just like, that's eh, okay, but you know, it's just like do 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 do. Like it's the same, it's the same thing. Um, and even even with that said, I get the same, you know. Do, 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 with with this particular track, uh, but I, I don't know what it is about this track that just has a different flavour to it that is so good that made me put it on the regular rotation, and I've been spinning that for the past few days. I absolutely I absolutely love the track, um, but the rest of the album, uh, no, the uh, rest of the EP, sorry, uh, five it's only five songs, sixteen minutes. It's absolutely clean. Like uh, Blue Lab Beats just have such a wide palette, and the ways they can do just jazz afro swing afro beats in general uh uh, a little bit hip-hop in there like they do so many good flavors and they just blend them so nicely like nights in nirvana's clean tempting dance too with koji radical and dt soul in there oh all five tracks are just so nice but blow you away definitely a potential uh songs list candidate for me uh definitely on regular rotation spinning that it's just so summery uh that's definitely for the summer for me personally um but yeah shout out to blue Earth beast man i love their work um mckinley dixon for my mama and anyone who look like her um this is very this is a very interesting album it's one of those albums where i kind of wish everybody else listened to it just so i can just so i can understand like uh just i just want other people to listen to it um, not exactly like because oh, I love the project. This is the best project ever, right? And you know it's a good project. Don't get me wrong; it's a really good project. There's some really good elements in here. Um, I like I like his uh, lyrical style and the way he delivers things. It's very interesting. Uh, uh, production wise, there's some jazz in here. There's some hip hop in here. It's very uh, it's it's some it's some erratic moments, but some calm moments. It's just a it's a nicely paced album. It, it keeps you on your toes. I like I like it. Um, but I just want other people to listen to this just to see what they get from it because it's so it, it's it's a really unique way. Uh, it's a really unique composition. I must say it's 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 got this uniqueness to it, and I kind of just want other people's thoughts on it. So if anybody's listening to that McKinney Dixon record. Please let me know your thoughts on it, because um, I, I just I just find it very fascinating. It's definitely one of those albums that require several listens, and uh, I'll, de- I'll definitely listen to it later on in the year. Um, but yeah, off first listen, I was just like, damn, I, I I feel like I need to re re spin this already. Like it's just so much to to digest here. Um, so yeah, shout out to McKinney Dixon. Really really fat project. Really enjoyed that. Uh, 
Georgia Smith, be right back. Um, I've I've personally just uh, fallen off Georgia Smith uh, as a uh, it, just in terms of just like following her general career. Um, I don't know if she's actually just uh, you know uh, recluse herself um, in the past couple of years. I know she went on tour of like her. Was it Caliuchis or Carifo? I forget which is which. I think it was Caliuchis, but um, yeah. After that, I just um kind of dipped and just uh, didn't even check on what she was doing. Uh, but she's come back with this, and um, you know, it's one of those things where it's labelled an album, but it doesn't feel like an album. It feels like an EP, like a collection of things. Like you know, it, it just feels like it feels like the next project I'm about to mention, actually, uh, which is. Uh, I mean, take a guess. It's not hard to guess. Um, but yeah, it feels like that as well. Where it's like a collection of songs, and they're good songs. There's some, there's some great stuff on here, uh, for sure. Um, uh, what's that? What's that last track? Let me, let me see if I can get up right quick. Uh, recently played. Uh, Weekend. Weekend gives me like is begging, begging for several like drum and bass remixes. I need, I need some, I need some EDM. Drum and bass pro- uh, uh, producers, artists to just remix the fuck out of Weekend. I need that in my diet. Um, it's clean. It just begs for it. It's, it's so airy. It's uh, got like a uh, just epic sing- songwriting. And I just the thing I love most about Jordan Smith, which I've suddenly realised over these past couple of years, um, because I like to flex the fact that you know I I I saw Georgia Smith before you lot even heard of her. Just to say, I I I saw her live when she only had three songs in the bank, and one of them was Blue Lights. Okay, and Blue Lights slaps. Um, still a classic to me. But the thing I've just noticed about Georgia Smith that I enjoy is her storytelling. I love her storytelling. I love the way she tells stories. Um, on a, on wax. I enjoy that kind of stuff. Um, but you know, apart from that, there's some good stuff here. Burns, nice home. Uh, bust down with the uh, Shabo's really good, uh, gone as well. So yeah, it's you know it's 25 minutes, eight songs. It doesn't feel like an album to me. I feel like she has something in the bank, like coming. And in the same way you laid out J Cole's off season, it feels like a palate cleanser. It feels it feels like a don't forget about me. I've got something coming, and here's just a care package. That's what it feels like. It feels like a care package, um, which in other words I label as an EP. But anyway, and lastly, obviously J Cole off season. Um, you know, it's cool. I like it. It's ju- it's enjoyable. Um, it's it's got some great stuff on it. Um, you know, I d- I didn't really, uh, I didn't really uh, experience the um, the the whack bars. That obviously, everyone loves to loves loves to post um, in quick time. Uh, I didn't really I, d- I didn't actually clock it on first listen for some of them. Um, if I dig if I dug for them, I probably would have clocked them. But yeah, I just listened passively. And I just wanted to listen, you know, to just, uh, you know, how he was going at it. And th- there was so much energy in here. He sounded hungry. And I enjoy that uh, uh, that side of J. Cole. Um, sneak MVP for me on this project. Bars. Bars goes off on these features. Like the couple of features he has. You you thought, you thought Bars, you thought, you thought bars were just, uh, was just, um, wait, did you think Bars was just Bars? <laughs> I love how, I love how English language. Um <laughs> Baz, bars, right? If you, you know what I mean. Um, if you thought he was just bars, nah, man. He's got vocals as well. He delivers just some great stuff on the tracks he's on, and it just gives them that extra flavor. And I really love that for those particular tracks. Um, past that, you know, the Twenty One Savage features really good. Um, I love the uh, fact that Cameron's on the first track, just just shooting shit. <laughs> I really enjoyed that. Uh, that little. Uh, 
just that little you know sprinkle uh it's always appreciated but yeah man j cole goes off on a couple of tracks i i'm i'm i enjoyed it uh thoroughly and uh yeah man it's a solid it's a solid piece of work i i cannot complain there's definitely some good stuff in there for um everybody's vague rotation um and you know uh, what what else can you what else can you ask for uh it's a perfect uh uh little hors d'oeuvre uh for the for the full course that is going to be uh, for the main course that is going to be um uh, the fall off but anyway we get to our topic of uh, the show and it's a uh, uh, volume 8 of DITV bites i always forget the number <laughs> I, I think it's i think it's 8 seven. is it 7 yeah i think so Oh, no, we, no, this is eight. This is eight. Okay, is I've just looked. This is eight. All right, we're on volume ah. seven of uh, DITD, by, uh, uh, DITD Bites. Eight. I just said seven. Eight. It's volume yeah, eight. I don't know. I'm getting confused. E-I-G-H-T. Now. It is volume eight of DITD Bites. And uh, yeah, we've got, uh, you know, uh, if, if you don't know by now, three topics uh, just to do with the music space, the overall music space, the overall hip-hop space, and just general commentary on uh, how we're feeling about uh, everything going on uh, in the music sphere. And, uh, yeah, you know, theories, opinions, uh, hypotheses, stuff like that. And we always deliver three. And for the first time in a while, I don't know the last time I actually had two and you only had one, uh, but uh, the tables have turned on, on, on the usual... Uh, way of doing things because Ben loves doing these. He really, he really enjoys doing these, and I, I do too. But I just rarely have anything. <laughs> but uh, I've had a couple in the in the chamber um, that uh, have just been sitting there gathering dust. So uh, we're gonna get to them today. Uh, so which one should we start with? Uh, do you, <sighs> what, what, what are you feeling, Ben? Uh, we could talk about less political to start with. Us kind of we just go in the order of what we kind of talked about on the on the little chat. Okay. All right, cool. Have a little chat. Have a little. Have a little. Have a little shoot the shit. Um, yeah. So uh, if you guys uh, clocked my horrible uh, impersonation of Donald Trump, um, that suddenly turned British for some reason. Uh, apologies for that butchering. I will just allow that and let that be. Um, I would have. I, I honestly would have loved to re-record it, but I'm just going to live with it. I'm just going to allow it and let it happen. <laughs> but yeah, for those that uh, didn't understand, that was supposed to be Donald Trump. And the reason why I did that was because of this particular topic. So I had a when when Trump was out, uh, it's finally out of office, right? And uh, you know, for the past few years, uh, it's been increasingly increasingly noticeable um, that hip hop in general um, has gotten more political um and the political side of you know just hip-hop and african-american life in general has become more um palatable uh shall we say um so i was wondering and i feel like this is uh i I feel like this is good uh, it's it's good that we've allowed this to you know uh sit sit for a minute because i initially brought this up uh around the time uh, Trump was going to leave either left office or was about to leave office like a week before or whatever um, but I think it's good that we've left it till now because now we can see you know uh, have a you know a potentially concrete answer towards this um, now that Trump's out of office and I will say um, you know the politics of the US um, <laughs> rarely changes uh, from president to president let's just be um, let's just be honest with ourselves on that front. Uh, you could take the, um, you know, the 
uh, uh, Israel comments from uh, Biden a couple of a couple of days ago um, into effect, and you know just lay that on the play as an example. Uh, but we'll try not to get that you know, to get too deep into that here, um, you know. But with Trump gone, and with the overt nature of what Trump was in general, and just the you know the toxic vacuum of bullshit that he you know that he was obviously always in the middle on uh, middle of, and basically was the source of in a, in a lot of ways. Is hip hop gonna just like dip out and you know go back to, I don't know, just like general hip hop shit, or will that political element still be there and still have the opportunity to actually be heard? Because um, the last thing uh, I'll say before I before I let you go, Ben, is like uh, you know the hip the 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 Grammys performance for Lil Baby. Uh, I felt like was a real watershed moment in like how sometimes it's just not I'd rather not just have any old person do it like the song itself you know was respectable right I feel it was it was a good song I forgot what it's called but it's a, it's an okay song right uh, when it dropped everyone was like whoa little baby's conscious whoa right and everyone's doing that stuff as if you know nobody can't be conscious or not conscious um and what does conscious even mean? But we've talked about that before on previous set. Um, yeah, but when it came to his perf- the Grammy performance, it w- the performative nature of it was fucking jarring, and it just led to me going, "Not everyone should do political hip hop." I feel, and maybe I'm wrong on that front, uh, because performances like that really just undercut the whole point of. Uh, politics in hip-hop and politics in you know just a general artistry space like just having like uh, yeah but if you haven't seen the grammy performance just go see it and hopefully you understand how cringy is but anyway i just wanted to leave that as a foundation and uh let's get ben's force on it i'm interested to know that you said that because like i i didn't read that i i i I mean, I watched it, but I didn't really like engage with it because it was a Grammys. But what did you think was was cringy about? It? Like, what did you feel that wasn't great about it? Uh, as I talk, um, I wanna I'm, I'm gonna try and get up the uh, article that I read on what's good about it because it was really it was a really perfect um, it was a really perfect uh, uh, encapsulation of how I thought about it. But if I if I remember correctly, like I just. Uh, uh, I'm gonna try and watch the video as I as I talk because it, the performative nature of it, right? It's just like it it's, it wasn't subtle. It really wasn't, and it came off as just like so grandiose and just a bit gross on that front. Oh, uh, here we go. Yeah, Kendrick Sampson starting off, and he's being arrested, and like. <laughs> It just comes off, and the gra- and it's the fact that it's the Grammys as well. I think is is part of it. Like if this was the BET Awards, I feel like it'd be a bit different. But it's the fact that Kendrick Sampson got fucking shot and killed. Like on like he literally, bro. I'm watching it right now. And he literally runs away and he gets killed in front of little baby, and then little baby's performing. Like that just does that not come off as distasteful as shit to you? Like, it fucking jarred the hell out of me. And there's a lot to the video um, as well. Uh, and the fireworks at the end of it. Like, what's that supposed to mean? Like, 
like I don't know the, the context of the whole performance just doesn't make sense to me and it comes off very on the nose it comes off very just performative there's a lot there's a lot there's a lot there <laughs> there's a lot but um yeah I guess bringing it back to the whole conversation about uh uh will uh politics in hip-hop be more be as pronounced as it was in you know an artist such as Lil Baby doing it on uh on uh the Grammys because he could have done any other track Let's be real. Like he had plenty of other tracks to do, but he chose that one, um, and that makes and that says a lot to me. Um, regardless of the how how you know the visuals of it um, doesn't vibe with me too much. Um, he literally could have picked any old track, and it would have been fine. But he chose to pick that track for a reason, and I feel um, there's some there's something to that. The fact that he picked that track, maybe he didn't pick it. Maybe you know. The label picked it. Who knows? But you know, I just feel there's something to that, and um, uh, there's a there's a message, there's a there's a context behind that. The fact that someone who's not you know quote unquote a political rapper like Lil Baby is um, doing the bigger picture on the Grammys on the biggest stage in American in American music television uh, that says something to me uh, in the whole scope of you know hip hop music and political statements um so yeah if that makes any sense yeah it makes sense like i you know i I think that that's that's totally fair um i don't know that i will say that but like i think you know i think we all kind of expected hip-hop to get a little bit less political after trump left uh you know biden's middle of the road you know yeah he's ruffling feathers but in comparison to trump he's basically a calm walk on a summer evening you know trump Trump spawned thousands of songs and lyrics devoted to the political conditions in the US. I actually wrote an article for Pigeons and Planes in 2017 that showed a significant portion of the top 10 was political post-Trump, and it wasn't prior. So I think the sad thing is that political and socially conscious music is just as relevant now as it ever was. You know, it's like attacking a hydra. You move one aspect of, of systemic oppression, another one just pops up in its place. Because police brutality is separate from Trump. It's been happening as far back as slavery and it's showing no signs of letting up. And we got bulk bars from Conway on uh, his last project about it. Obviously, Lil Baby, the baby's been rapping about it, J. Cole. You know, almost every hip hop album comes out with at least a couple of bars about police brutality now. And this is a political issue. Don't be fooled into thinking that politics only relates to the president and the federal responsibility. Politics is local, you know, that's exactly what Killer Mike was talking about in his speech after the murder of George Floyd. Local politics plays huge roles in the kind of shit that police feel they can get away with. And I don't see a reduction in political messages in rap because the problem has not been solved. The problem is so much deeper than one man. It's a system that's been in place for over 400 years and it's now so entrenched, people actually dare to criticize the rioters for bringing chaos into the country. And that's the absolute pinnacle of gaslighting. You know, African-Americans murdered by authority at a hugely disproportionate rate. And when they try to protest this, they're thrown right back into the criminal classification. You know, and until that ceases, we aren't going to stop seeing political bars from rappers. And I don't want to stop seeing them. You know, I, I don't think it ever gets boring. I don't think it ever gets tiring. The whole thing is boring and tiring. The whole fact that this is still going on. And those are the 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 easiest emotions to deal with of the whole thing. Like, of course you'd be tired, of course you'd be bored of it, but fuck me, you got to be angry about it, and everyone's angry. I think the fact that, you know, 
the fact that pretty much every single hip-hop album I listen to now has bars about this, regardless of whether the artist is classified as socially conscious or not, is just proof that, you know, this is just it's just ridiculous, like the, the state over there. And, you know, I think I think Trump kind of took our attention away from this, this systemic problems. You know, he kind of gave us a figurehead to blame all of America's racial issues on. But even when he left, they remained. And that should be scary for everyone. That should be scary for everyone around the world to recognize that. And I think there feels like a lack of political messaging at the moment because there's a lack of music. So I think any kind of idea that, oh, it's it's died down is just there's a lack of music because of the pandemic. You know, Kendrick's not dropping. Cole just dropped and there's heaps of messaging on there. But all the major artists who normally rap about these things aren't dropping regularly. And when they do, we get political messages like Run the Jewels, Jay-Z, Public Enemy dropped last year, Talib Kweli, Lupe Nas, you know, King's Disease. It comes out. And injustice is not leaving the world, man, and neither is hip-hop. So I, I feel even if things did eventually start to be less ridiculous in America... Uh, I don't, there's so much to talk about worldwide, you know, rappers could talk about Palestine, Armenia, Afghanistan, Darfur, the Kivu conflict, Syrian civil war, civil war in Yemen, and that's just the overt stuff, you know, we could talk about the, the way indigenous people are treated just about everywhere, especially Australia, so uh, as sad as it sounds, man, I think hip-hop will always be political, and I don't see a let-up in the messaging ever, you know, and I think a lot of people mistake um, you know, one of the things I had to learn really early about hip hop was so much of it is socially conscious, like listening to anyone rap about selling drugs yeah. or anyone rap about violence in their neighborhood yeah. or anyone rap about having to carry a gun because they're scared or this is political content. Because if you zoom out and Charlie, this is one of Charlie's, one of my favorite things that Charlie says, if you zoom out and you look at the whole thing, then you understand the process that got that person to that point. So if you listen to Jay-Z rap about what he raps about, you understand that all of that is a political message because the whole process for him to get to the point where he had to do that to survive is systemic oppression and systemic racism. And that's a political problem. And so there's just, there's never going to be, uh, unfortunately, until it fucking changes in America. And uh, look, man, I don't know. I don't know. I, you know, when we did the George Floyd episode, I felt the same way. I came out of it feeling the same way, feeling quite helpless and confused and not really sure where to go and what to do. And I still feel the same. Nothing's changed since then. And, and so I can't see political messaging leaving hip hop for, for a long time, which is really sad. Really, really sad. Yeah. Um, that's good you said that, and I wholeheartedly agree. And I'd just like to say, right, that um, I, I actually did have an article, I just for some reason didn't link it on, on the show notes, because I'm an idiot. Um, but shout out to um, uh, to Hacker Love, uh, who had this, uh, it's time to abolish quote-unquote powerful performances at award shows, that's uh, via Medium. And um, give give that a read, guys. It's five minutes, uh, and it kind of makes my point because I feel like you know, with me mentioning that, uh, gives give might give you guys the idea that I don't want. Uh, well, I did say that I did. So I don't want certain people to do it, but I I, I mean it in the sense of uh, I mean in the sense of like uh, that there's a showing it to 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 white audiences if that makes any sense, like in white spaces because the Grammys 
I'm sorry, guys. It's not a black space. It's not, and that's that's kind of what leaves a bad taste in my mouth. But then again, I think uh, you know Kendrick's 2016 performance uh, is is like the best performance anything period anything that I've ever seen. Uh, Dave's uh, black performance in the Brits absolutely slapped, right? But I feel like there's significant differences between those particular things and something like uh, uh, the the bigger picture befo- uh, performance, which. Uh, I'll quit. I'll, I'll quote. Um, I'll finish off by quoting uh, uh, Love's uh, little little uh, paragraph here. So she goes, uh, "The routine, which sought to capture and reflect the unrest of Black Lives Matter generation, played like a played like a protest era performance starter kit. But the 26 year old rapper's uh, heavy handed set is the only in the latest string of similar big budget performances that border on exploitation." using a mainstream stage to replay what we've all seen on the news reports about how policing impacts black life. This performance of protest is sold as political solidarity, but increasingly seems to be sold, period, a means of generating profits and clout for artists, personalities or corporations, while doing little for those most directly affected by victims of police brutality. And I'll finish off by saying this, right, and a great comparison I just came up with is someone like Public Enemy. Because if you, I've seen Public Enemy live, I don't know if Ben has, right, but if you, if you guys have ever seen a, a, a live Public Enemy performance, none of that stuff is there. None of that stuff. None of the fireworks, none of the, uh, n- none of the, you know, um, replayed remade images of a of someone getting arrested and then running away and then getting shot and killed like that's not necessary we know what chuck d is talking about right you don't need all of this extra stuff that's kind of where i'm getting at where it comes to that kind of thing so i just wanted to clarify that but the over on the overall point i uh i kind of agree with you um on the overall sense that uh politics and hip-hop won't obviously go away uh, I feel like maybe I don't. I, I feel like maybe it won't like you know uh, chart so to speak, quote unquote. I, I don't think it'll be like you know the hottest the hottest track ever. Uh, and uh, in, in that in in a lot of these cases, but um, but yeah, I do have in some ways optimism of the fact that some artists uh, you know try and at least throw something in there. Um, but I also understand if they don't, because I'm I'm just going to be real. I'm not looking to Lil Baby for political commentary. Uh, if Rick Ross ever does something like that of that nature, <laughs> oh, why do I do that to myself? I don't need. I don't, I'm not looking for that. It's appreciated, but that's that's kind of where I was getting at. Like I'm not looking for some of these eyes to do. Like guys. If Migos, if Migos does a, 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 you know, one of the one of these conscious tracks, are you spinning it? Are you spinning it? Okay, Ben, we can move on to the sec- uh, second one. Uh, is it mine again, or do you want to go for yours? Uh, yeah, we could go for mine. Uh, that Piff man, that Piff's dead. That, that Piff's Piff is dead. D D. It's game over for that Piff, and uh, it's depressing. So. This was uh, I posted up some statistics the other day about the highest downloaded album, uh, sorry, mixtapes on Dat Piff of all time, and everyone's like, "Whoa, this is a throwback!" And a lot of people were responding like, 
what the fuck is that piff <laughs> i was like Bro. wait what what like holy shit man like that piff is it's so like if you go on that piff and you look at the the most downloaded mixtapes they're all from the early 2010s dream chases 2 sorry for the wait taylor allardyce dedication 4 detroit rich forever live love asap cabin fever 2 like there's nothing post like 2016 here 2015 even like it's just all and so it really fascinated me because obviously when the internet came it came to you know it was just like a, easy for us all to access and it was quick enough for us all to download music everyone just down load music illegally they just like went crazy it's like the Chappelle show skit where he's in the internet and everyone's going bonkers in the in the uh you know the free music store and just going oh my god free music free music so uh that's just what happened that's what happened and so uh, like record labels were really struggling to work out how how what are we going to do about this how are we going to stem the flow how are we going to stop this at the same time, mixtapes were blowing the fuck up. We already did a mixtape episode. I'm not going to rehash that. But mixtapes were massive. And, like, just basically, like, pirating was just a massive thing on both sides of the scale. So, you know, artists were just, you know, taking beats and rapping over the top of them, not paying for the sample. That's why uh, DJ Drama went to, you know, caught up on fucking Rico charges over this shit. And on the other side, consumers were like, we want free music. So the savvy rappers were like, well, let's give them free music. Let's not charge them for it. 50 Cent obviously was massive at the beginning of this, G-Unit. Then Lil Wayne kind of blew it up in the mid-2000s, <laughs> currency as well, with uh, like Drought 3, the Dedication series, the Squad series. Like It went, it went bonkers. And then, you know, towards the mid-2000s, late 2000s, early 2010s, Adapt Piff just became where you got music like literally it would just crash constantly because people would just drop these free mixtapes and it was wild and look i don't know what the reason for this is but mixtapes have just i don't know they're just gone where have they gone i I don't really understand it it doesn't make a lot of sense to me i'm thinking and i think this is why i wanted to do this topic before our, our last topic is because now that it's so easy for artists to, you know, the the barriers to entry into hip hop have reduced dramatically, even in the last five years compared to, you know, previously, like technology is becoming quicker, it's becoming more accessible to people, people can record music in their bedroom, you know, the beauty of independence, like most of the people I talk to don't go to studios, they just do it at home, like Carl Scooby does everything by himself at home. And I was talk- when I was talking to C Scripture about this from Malawi, he was talking about how it took him 10 years to save up for his first microphone. So he couldn't even record a song for 10 years, right? And that's crazy. And if we scale all the way back to the 80s and we talk about someone like Too Short who was, record- who was producing his own music, he said in an interview the reason why he learned that was because he would go to a studio and there'd be all these instruments in there. And if he was already paying for studio time to rap, he might as well use their equipment to produce because he's like i can't afford to pay someone else for the beats and i'm already paying for the studio time so i'll just do my own stuff and i think that's a lot of that diy stuff is now coming back in vogue because it's so cheap and then obviously putting it up on streaming services and getting paid off it i think when billboard started uh you know in 2014 with uh it was mainly Nicki minaj she put a lot of pressure on them uh after the pink print or it might have even just been before the pink print pink print to start counting streams towards, um, yeah, I know that was a bit of a tongue twister. To start counting streams towards um, 
you know, Billboard chart positions. And when they started doing that, we saw a massive reduction in the amount of mixtapes that were coming out because I think people were just like, you know what? And and this, again, I want to hark back to Carl Screw because he said something really interesting. He's like, my last two albums, I had a budget of $0. I put them out of $0. And I, he was like, you know, how many other artists have done that? And I said, well, probably not a lot, but I can definitely think of Russ having done that. You know, Russ definitely did that with an album that went platinum. And so nowadays, look at Lil Nas X. He puts up Old Town Road. He buys a beat for 30 bucks off Beatport and puts it up on SoundCloud and it becomes the longest running Hot 100 number one in history. That's with basically no budget whatsoever. And so that's the whole thing now is like, there's no need for these mixtapes anymore. You know, J. Cole drops the offseason, which we could basically say is a mixtape, but he doesn't need it to Mm. be a mixtape. He just can put it up on streaming and... You know, there's no, there's no, even younger artists like, uh, you know, they just, just, there's no, um, I don't know what the right way to say it is, but like, what's the point of doing a mixtape anymore when you could just make original music, put it up on streaming and get some money from it. And I think it's sad. I think it's sad because I used to love those mixtapes so much and they were, they're, you know, they're amazing. And when you hear that beat, when you hear that iconic beat and your favorite rappers on top of it and you're like, oh, what are they going to do to this? And then it just goes bonkers. Like, I think that that's really missing. You know, even Jay-Z did a mixtape. S. Carter mixtape was crazy. So, like, everyone's done these mixtapes. But, yeah, Dat Piff is gone, man. No one can, no one knows about Dat Piff anymore. Like, it's just crazy to me. It was only, like, six, seven years ago that it was ubiquitous. And that's how fast things move nowadays. Uh, quick question on the S. The S. Carter one. Was the competition nada? Competition is nada. <laughs> S. Carter, you might, did I? I open our podcast with that, like on when we did the Jay Z podcast. I think so, <laughs> bro. That I, is. I know, you, that I, know is, I know. we did it. Why did you put that song on album. there, man? Why do you put that song on there? But hey, whatever, man. It worked. <laughs> I'm still singing it like 20 years later. It worked. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Um. I mean, the obvious answer is streaming, and, you know, we'll get to that in a bit. Uh, because, like, you know, e- e- we can... I-, I know artists that, you know, just go through it via, like, you know, distro kid and stuff like that, and, you know, streaming is where it's at. Like, everybody uses streaming sites to, work, uh, to, to, to get their fix. It's different from previously... At the you know around the time obviously Dat Piff was just like when when what was the peak for Dip Dat Piff do you mean uh, do you think like the year like twenty thirteen something like that? oh uh, 20, twenty yeah twenty twelve maybe twenty twelve yeah, yeah. yeah early early twenty tens definitely that just that 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 era um you know at that point uh you know was Spotify even around I I know it was around but it wasn't that that hype yeah it wasn't spotify yeah, before spotify, you know, spotify spotify was was born in like oh no, oh eight boy oh, i yeah, i so, first yeah, yeah, yeah. got i first got spotify in august 2012 so but, it, okay. but back then it wasn't a oh, 2006 okay yeah it wasn't a massive thing like back then you know yeah. obviously apple music yeah. didn't exist uh yep. we were yep. we still had exactly. shit like deezer and stuff so like spotify was basically <laughs> like bro there's oh, a, a throwback yeah, yeah. Go a throwback. Yeah, Diesel was my first uh, streamer, streamer platform. I, I, fond memories. I, I had fun. Uh, but yeah. Anyway. Um. But yeah, th- th- there's, there's, there's that kind of side of it, and I think for something like that, Piff, like you're listening to it. 
you know, you have the ability to download it, you know, pop it on your phone, stuff like that. Like, the, the, the dynamics of how people listen to music is a lot different from how it was before. Now, it's just Spotify, Apple Music, download what you want, off you go. It's so, so seamless. Uh, but that piff is just a little bit, uh, you know, there's a directory and then you have to find the artist. And, uh, it's, there's a bit more steps towards it. Like, and streaming really cut off a lot of the steps. Um, and that's obviously part of the reason for it. Um, but another thing I was just like thinking about uh, as you were talking, uh, which has low-key gone a little bit out of my head, but I'm just going to try and talk and get it back. Because... Um, Having something, uh, oh yeah, the the concept of like you know having artists uh, you know, in the classic mixtape definition, uh, you know, going off, you know, it doesn't have to be on like uh, you know completely original beats. You know I mean, you could do some freestyling off certain beats. Like you know, one of my favorite mixtape songs is like uh, uh, Kendrick Lamar and uh, Schoolboy Q uh, going over six seven six foot seven foot crazy absolutely crazy they go fucking ape shit on that track bro it's absolutely crazy right that ain't flying here that ain't flying these days that will not fly in any fashion if you put on streaming sites you're getting booked like immediately like and that's kind of the thing uh i think i feel like that piff and the, and the depressing part about it and it's not even just that piff there was obviously others um but obviously that piff was the 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 name of it um the big name anyway and I think the depressing side of it is that it was kind of like a happy medium between like uh, something squeaky clean and you know very official, like you know uh, Spotify and Apple Music try to try to be you know now now uh, they're following on a titles lead by you know adding credits and you know you can see the credit list and who wrote and who produced. It's super clean, right? Um, and then there's the complete other extreme, which is something like Napster and LimeWire, where like people are just uploading MP3s, and you know, do they put the meta- metadata on there? Fuck no. <laughs> and it's just, and you download it, and it just has the name of the song, and you just hope to fuck that it actually is the song itself, um, in in the way you want it. It's it's it was such a hit and miss uh, affair. Um, but Dap here felt like right in that happy medium where it was just like you know. Obviously, you can't rap o- You can't officially, legally, you know, in some cases, rap over everybody's beat. Uh, you know, people feel a type of way about that. Uh, but it's mixtape life, right? And that's how the game goes, in, especially in hip-hop circles. Um, but that's obviously been a bit lost. And it, the perfect perfect example I'll give as to how it makes me sad um, to even think about something like that, Piff. My fa- one of my favourite mixtapes around that time... Uh, was Wiz Khalifa's Cabin Fever. And there was a song, I think the first song on there, which has like, uh, it's called Phone Numbers. And it was like him, uh, it was Wiz, I think Big Sean, and I think Trey the Truth, if I remember correctly. Uh, I know it was another dude, but yeah, uh, the Wiz, and, uh, Wiz, Big Sean, and someone else. Um, and I really loved that track. I really loved it. And... A couple of years ago, Wiz Khalifa actually dropped Cabin Fever on streaming platforms, on DSPs. And I was like, oh my gosh, I can listen to phone numbers. Oh my gosh, I can find my organization. I put on phone numbers. Wasn't the same track, bro. Was not the same beat. It's just it's, it's something different. I felt so sad. I was just like, they couldn't do it. They, 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 they couldn't do it. 
I don't know what that happened. Don't know what they didn't couldn't clear, but it just made me sad listening to that one track. Uh, after all those years of not listen of not even hearing it, and just hearing a completely different beat, and it was just it just made me sad. I was just like, wow, wow, it's it, they're really it really has to be squeaky clean doesn't it like it's, it's it's crazy out here um so yeah man it is it is a it is a depressing thing and i'm glad you brought it up uh, this whole topic up because i literally i said i said to you ben uh but when you brought it up i was just like i did not even think of this like i, d- I just didn't register it i didn't register that piff as like you know basically dead right now uh obviously it still exists and you guys can go listen to the you know dream chasers 2 and all the dedications and all that stuff uh, but psh, <laughs> people, people just can't be asked. I guess I, I don't know. Like I mean, I mean, I remember I went on that piff one time, like a couple of years ago, just just straight nostalgia. Um, but I don't know how often people do that. Uh, I don't do it often. I don't know how often you do it, Ben. But yeah, man. Like, but funny enough, uh, a great uh, you know, uh, modern day example, and recently, obviously, just dropped uh, this past week. Beam me up, Scotty came out. A mixtape from 2009, or whatever year it was, and every single, well, not uh, most of my time, a lot of my timeline in the past few days has actually been more Nicky than J Cole, and that says something. That says something. So people will happily listen to it as soon as it hits Spotify or Apple Music, but they wouldn't, but they wouldn't listen to it when it was already there for free in general on that Piff or whatever you use for your mixtapes. I just find that a bit interesting of how people just. Uh, I don't know, choose not to or can't be asked or are not motivated to go peep it unless it's on DSPs and they can put it on their playlist that they use every day. It's just fascinating on that front. Well, I have a bit of a theory about that because this whole thing about Mac Miller's uh, faces having to come to streaming and I'm talking to people and I'm like, I mean, you guys can go to Dat Piff, right? And they're like, exactly. yeah, I guess. And I'm like, well, go do it. And they're like, oh, but, but then... <laughs> It won't be on my Spotify. Uh, I'm like, well, it will be uh, if you download the the album to your your phone and then you just upload it onto Spotify and it'll be on your on your Spotify forever. Like it, Spotify can play local files. It's always had that ability. And I just don't think people want to do that. I think it's a, it's a step too far. And so, and this is not to criticize people at all. I'm people. You know, I I don't. I listen to uh, Drat Three Faces. You know, all that stuff. I listen to it on YouTube. I download because I got YouTube Premium. And part of growing up is getting YouTube Premium. By the way, that's one of the signs that you're you're matured and grown. I think anyway. But <laughs> so I just download them and, and listen to it on YouTube. But I'm too lazy to go to Dapiff, download it on my phone, go on a spot. Like it's like three or four different things. And, yeah, I know. But like one of the things we learned in marketing was the 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 actual percentage drop in engagement. The more you've got to click. So like say no clicking at all is 100%, and then you've got to click once. It dropped down to like. 30% and then you've got to click twice it drops down to like 3% so every single time you got to click it's the the dramatic drop in people that are still engaging with your content is just incredible it's just incredibly like it's so low it's ridiculous and so for you know these mixtapes not to be on streaming it it makes perfect sense to me from a you know marketing standpoint that people wouldn't want to do that because it's too much time and effort. So I do understand that, but you know I grew up on the CD era. I grew up in the era where you know we you know we we 
came home, we burned our CDs, we burned them onto like playlists and stuff like that. So I spent a lot of time shuffling my music catalog around for a long time. So I'm used to it. But I can understand if you search faces on Spotify and it's not there, eh, fuck it, I'll listen to something else. Like I can understand that too if, if that's the way you were, you were raised and that's the only experience you've had. But it did make it did surprise me that so many few people knew what Datpiff was. It really did surprise me. I'm surprised that piff still exists off rip because like holy shit there's a lot of illegal music on there but like <laughs> it's one of those things man it's one of those things where everyone kind of looked the other way and uh they didn't get dj drama for that in the end so i don't know you know that was probably a watershed moment yeah i feel like that piff and all those sites should just be i don't know like uh curated just for like an archive like an online archive just to just just to just to just for prosperity you know what i mean just just just, just save them. Just, just archive them, and just you know, because this will be fascinating. Like in ten, twenty years time, where like we'll be telling people about that piff and or and other uh, mixtape sites, and they'll be just like, oh, ooh, you know, what I mean, it's it's it'll be so fascinating to just talk to people like twenty years down the line when they're like twenty something years old, and they're just like, raw, oh, that's wow. Oh, so you so you downloaded it. But what happened? But what about Spotify? Ah, ah, ah! Funny, uh, funny you say that. Like, it's just an interesting. It really is an interesting wrinkle in like the whole story of just like how we consume music. It's so fascinating to me. But bro, this person, I'm I'm talking to this person right now because I just posted a J Cole statistic that he's the first rapper ever to have his first six studio albums go number one. Naturally, my mentions are are a bloodbath right now because everyone's like, "What about Drake?" And I'm like, "Well." Drake released like three mixtapes in the middle there. And this person says to me, because I said, you know, like, it's a mixtape. I'm sorry. He classed it as a mixtape. I can't <laughs> do anything about that. He called it that. How dare you, Ben? Class it I know. Thing. I know. I'm silly. I should go against exact. If I see the thing is, if I did the act the opposite and said it was a studio album, all the Drake fans would be angry at me for disrespecting Drake because he called it a mixtape himself. So I, there's nothing I can do in that situation. But this person said, Mixtapes are always commercial. Uh, all he, all Drake did was let labels release projects forever till they randomly decide to give one the debut project. I'm like, no, mixtapes weren't always commercial. Like this, is what I don't get now is people being like, because Drake actually did change the game. If whatever you know, whether people like to admit it or not, if you're reading this is too late, changed everything forever by releasing it as a mixtape the way he did. The amount, if you go on Dat Piff now and you look at like the new mixtapes that are up there. There are fucking albums that are going like number one. Like Key Glock's album is on here. He didn't go number one, but like Destined to Win by Lil TJ is on here. There are actual, A Gangsta's Pain is on here. Okay, there are albums going number one. A Gangsta's Pain is on here, right? That's the that's the Moneybag Yo project that's gone number one for two weeks in a row. You could just get it off that Piff. Like it's all on here now. So that Piff is like, people are dropping projects on that Piff just like they used to. But, like, you know, this, who knows what's a mixtape and an album anymore? It just doesn't... I think Drake really blurred the lines there. But anyway, that's just an aside. Um, it's never going to go back to the way it was. It's never going to go back to the way it was. So, yeah, it makes me sad. It makes me sad. Yeah, well, shout out to the several uh, Cole, Kendrick, Lil Sims, and XV mixtapes I have on my phone and have had on my phone for... <laughs> for kids uh nearly 10 years uh so big up to big up to those projects that uh i will never add to the catalog for some reason or another all right so we move on to our last topic and uh it is a 
about streaming, funny enough. Haha. Um, so, how would I tee this up? So, um, I mean, there's a lot of ways to go about this particular issue, or even non-issue, if you guys maybe disagree. Excuse me, but um, I have a not not. I don't think I don't figure it is an opinion. I'm not. Really, I'm not really sure how I actually will even answer this question. But the question is: Has uh, streaming diluted the quality of music? Uh, and we'll try and stick it to hip hop, obviously. But like, just in general, I feel like there's a case for it because obviously, in the way uh you know economically especially i think is a great place to start uh economically you have to put shit out if you want to make any sort of cash like there was actually a cold there was actually a cold bar on the off season where he mentioned like you pete you lot are doing you know 30 track albums for two for 100 a week 100k a week or something like that it was very it was very hip-hop numbersy uh, I, I was I was wondering if Ben uh, goes through it, um, <laughs> but uh, it, 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 if J Cole knows that, like and he's aware of that, and he puts that in a bar, clearly to punch down in some way. Um, I just find that interesting. And say the, he's say not the bar ro- again. Sorry, sorry. I was. I, was... I, I don't. I, I don't know the. I don't know the actual bar. For, uh, I'll, tr- I'll try and look up as I talk. But basically, paraphrasing, it was like, um, like uh, you guys are making. 30 track oh, yeah. albums yeah uh for two fifty for 200 a week yeah, something 100, like that. 100k first week with 30 track album yeah uh, yeah, uh, yeah yeah that was that? that was that was actually like a lot of people when i posted up the um see see how influential this is just not to cut you off but just to talk on that yeah, really quickly when i posted up the projection for j cole which is 280 to 310 you know a lot of people were like he's gonna do 500 he's gonna do 700 he's gonna do 800 but when i posted <laughs> that right they were like, well, that's pretty good for a 12-song album or that's pretty good for a 40-minute 40, 40 album. And I was really confused because I that bar, I didn't, it didn't resonate with me. Like, it didn't stick in my head. And I'm like, what do you mean? Right. Like, 12-song album, 40, that's normal. 40 minutes is, that's a good length. That's a regular length. But then when I heard yeah. that, I was like, all oh, right, now I understand. So that's the influence that, like, one bar can have on the rhetoric around an album is just, yeah. But, yeah, sorry to cut you off, but, yeah. No, no, that's a good point. Exactly. So, um, yeah, that was kind of um, a kind of a, a a recent example that just brought me to this. But like, th- the economics of this, which is again only one side. This possible uh, we can we can talk about this because there's a lot of there's a lot of ways we can slice this in terms of like dilution and quality. But that has to be a part of it, right? The fact that people can't make you know CD era money, um, or even um. Or even iTunes uh, downloading money, uh, they can't do that now. They can't. They simply can't because that's just how uh, streaming works. And you know that's just that's just tough fucking luck, I guess. Um, but there has to be a side of it where like you you're you're seeing it and you're watching that happen live in live time, and you must think like, wow, that's um. They, they they have to they have to do more or they have to they have to do something uh on that front and we've talked about you know the fact they have to like you know bundle merch and stuff like that like you know we, we've we've talked about that kind of stuff of what uh, they can do um but 
economically, it kind of doesn't help because I mean, I feel uh, if there's no P in it, uh, you 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 have to you have to be doing it for the fun in some ways, right? Um, but obviously, people are finding different methods, I guess, to sustain themselves. Eh, right? But uh, you know, we can we can hypothesize about that. But that's just one side of this, and another side I'll deliver uh, just for kicks um, is. <laughs> I feel like it's very easy for artists to game the system in a way, not in terms of like making money or just like, uh, what's the word? Uh, you know, just, just getting on top, right? I'm talking about it in the sense of like, oh, if you, if you want to get any sort of numbers, you need to get your shit on a TikTok. Like the the if you really want to like get numbers up, there are there are there are documented ways in the modern day to do so, and I feel like in that ways that that doesn't that doesn't that doesn't make me if I was a nice person it, it wouldn't make me feel great knowing that if I wanted to get anywhere, I have to put my sh- I have to get my shit trending on TikTok and have some. Uh, and have some kids dance to it. Why? 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 Why does that have to be the 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 way to go? You know what I'm saying? Uh, but it is, and I feel like that doesn't help. Uh, people find themselves creatively. Instead, they're just like trying to uh find this find this uh thing that's going on and just be the best at that. And I don't feel that I don't think that helps. Uh, that may help like one or two artists. That doesn't help the rest of them. The rest of them are just going to be left by the wayside. And they've, you know, made they they've made all this music about whatever, or they've made it with this kind of in this kind of style, in this production style, etc., etc. Or they did it with this flow, and now it's just fallen flat. And now you just got this track that is just there, and you know it's not exactly you know your authentic self i feel personally um so there's that too um and there's another lot of ways but i'll leave it that too and uh see see where you want to go with that then yeah it's interesting like uh i mean you know i feel like there's a lot of different directions i want to go in but i'll say this statistic off rip 99 percent of the top 50 selling albums this week came from three labels three 99 <laughs> percent really? wow wow came from sony warner wow. universal and that is wow. just not that surprising at all to me and you know again mm. i had this conversation with carl and um he was talking about the fact that when he was signed to a management deal we talked we got into the topic by talking about his hair because he'd grown his hair out and he said that his manager before every video shoot was like you need to get a haircut because they were trying to create this perfect pop star image for him, right? They were trying right. to like, mm-hmm. and he said, he said he doesn't, he could never stand behind the music he made when he was in the major label, or he wasn't on a major label, but he was in that system, because it wasn't him. It was never him. It was a marketing design con- construct designed to, you know, be the the best version of the pop star kind of whatever image they were looking to to sell him as. And I said to him like. 
you know, obviously once he got off that deal and became independent, his his personality personality flourished. And uh, like if you watch his videos now, it's a completely different person to prior. And so the problem is, and I said this, the problem is that we end up getting a complete dilution of the art form because labels and you know managers and all this shit they they're constructing images for these artists to walk into and to adhere to and to become and so what we get is just a marketing team and that's all we're getting we're not getting these artists we're not getting these personalities we're not getting these people we're just getting a marketing team saying this is what works let's do this and what we end up having is incremental change within the music industry which means that people are afraid to take risks because they don't know if it's going to work or not. And that's why people like Kanye, as much as people you know might not like him, have to respect what he's done. And Jay-Z said in an interview once, Kanye's like the first guy over the hill and he runs back full of arrows and he goes, there's a lot of them over there. But like he's the first one through the wall and they're very rare. It's so rare because it's very scary to do that, to, to do something brand new. And sometimes that doesn't work. You know, if you look at the reviews for Jesus is King, sometimes it doesn't work. And unfortunately, when it doesn't work, everyone slams it. And then you end up, no one's going to do that. No one's going to attempt that. No one's going to, everyone's like, oh, that's just fucking scary. I don't want to do that. And personally, I know this feeling very, very well. You know, when we were, when Carl and I were talking, I felt quite uh, self-conscious because as hip-hop numbers, one thing I've really tried to do in the last like 12 months, and Charlie will attest to this millions of times, is I've tried to present the most bland version of myself in order to not attract criticism, in order to deflect criticism, in order to, to shield myself from criticism. You know, every week we cut stuff from this podcast because I'm like, eh, I don't want that in there. I don't, I'm not comfortable with that being out there because I, I see it like I'm getting dragged right now for saying that J. Cole has just set a record that he set. It's just like it's, I, I can't help it if Drake. I can't help it if Drake doesn't call his album studio albums. It's not my fault. Like it's it's, it's mixtapes, it's playlists, and but it doesn't matter. Like it doesn't matter what I do. And so what we get with artists, especially in the streaming age, is because and this this is the difference. Okay, now this is the this is the key difference why the streaming age matters is because anyone can make music and make money off music now. Anyone like I, I talk I talk to these people, I talk to the Lion. He's not part of a management deal, he's not part of the major label system, but he earns enough money and he reckons he'll earn enough money by the end of this year to live off his streaming revenue. That's crazy, right? No one behind him, mm. no marketing team behind him doing it all himself. Just some guy. Some guy. And he's earning enough to live off it. So where is the, um, what's the right way to say this? Where is the motivation to do something different where if something's working already, why not just stick to it and live off it? And, and I've seen this, and, and Comethazine is an artist I, I don't want to drag, but like I'm going to just say this. I really like Comethazine, but his last two albums have been like 20 songs of one and a half minutes, and they're all the same. And that's what Cole was talking about. You know, he's talking about artists who put out one and a half, two minute songs and 30 of them, 20 of them in order to gain the streaming numbers. And that's not the artist's fault. This is not the artist's fault. Okay, don't ever criticize the artist for doing that. Criticize the label system. Criticize capitalism. Criticize our obsession with money and, and how much everything costs and how, you know, and it's just like, 
you know, the, the, the weirdest conversation I had was we were talking about like with Carl with about people flexing. And I said, is it even possible to be commercially successful without flexing now? He's like, I don't think so. And, you know, I don't think it is either. And so, yeah, I think that's why we're getting this dilution is because it's, it's the same with like all marketing. Like I, obviously I worked in marketing for quite a long time. I worked on the creative side for a little bit. And any kind of idea that wasn't mainstream, that hadn't been done before, that was a little bit different, no, 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 no. And like, okay, but what about no, no. And then it'd be like, so when, when did, where'd you get this from? Where did you see this? I'm like, I just thought of it. They're like, well, has it worked before? No. Okay, well, we're not doing it. No, we're not doing that. Why? Because we don't know if it's going to work or not. This company's paying us X amount of dollars for this marketing campaign. We need, to, it's almost like writing an essay at university. And I'm going off on tangents here. I hope people are following me. But when you write an essay at university, you can't put your voice in that essay. You're not giving your opinion. You're not, unless oh, you I wish I would. <laughs> but that's the thing. Unless you've done your own research, unless this is a, you're, you're doing your own research and you've constructed a model. But even then, you still have to base the model and base the research on research that's already been done. You can't just go off on a tangent and be like, hey, I'm just going to do this. When you're writing that essay, the hardest part of the essay at university is the, the referencing. Because you could write exactly what you want to say but no one's going to accept that because they're like, well, no one's written this before. So what's the basis for this? It's like, well, I read the information and this is the opinion I came up with. Like, no, you need to go and find other people's opinions and repackage them and present them to us. I'm like, well, what's the point of that? But that's the way it is. And that's with music now. It's, it's the exact same. It's like, okay, and look at Lil Nas X, like, you know, that song is, is very different. I mean, we could say that Bubba Sparks has been doing similar stuff. Um, even Uncle Cracker back in the day did, you know, whatever that song was. Everyone remember that song, he piss in the ocean and jump in the sea or whatever. He's, I don't remember that song. But, like, there's been, like, small examples. But I wouldn't say Lil Nas X was trying to, you know, I doubt very much Lil Nas X was listening to them and being like, oh, let's, let me recreate this. He created something new. And then for six months after that, do you know how many times on my, you know, release radar, some artist popped up and with an Old Town Road, basically the exact same thing? It happened so many times because it worked. And everyone's like, well, if it worked once, it can work 50,000 more times. And then when it stops working, let's find the next thing. So it's like, it's just, if you're looking for artistic integrity in mainstream music, it's very rare you're going to find it, you know. It's just you're gonna get frustrated and you're gonna you're gonna switch off eventually. There's so much great music out there, and if you go back in history, there's so much great music to discover. But you know, if you're looking for something new and exciting, you know it's not gonna happen, unfortunately, in in 2021. Yeah, um, there's a lot. Does that to, make sense? Uh, does any of that make sense? Was that coherent, <laughs> or I'm just rambling now? Well, uh, well, if not, you're gonna make me delete it. So fuck it. Um, so yeah, it's uh. Yeah, it, it, uh, there is. I think the I think the firm answer that is yes, there are. There has been a dilution. I think to uh, streaming, and uh, you you kind of added uh, a few more dimensions to that. Obviously, the label side of it is very prevalent and uh, says a lot. And uh, you know, mag- management side, and that's kind of why sometimes, like when some when an artist gets signed, right. Um, I won't name examples, but like when an artist gets signed to a major label, I feel just 
I, I, I get queasy. Freddie I'm Gibbs? Just like, Is that who you're talking about? Actually, no. Actually, no. But Sweatshirt signed a major label deal? He is. He is indeed. Fuck. I did not know that. Okay, fuck, mm-hmm. fuck, fair enough. D- didn't even know that. But I, I wasn't even thinking of Freddie Gibbs. That's a great example, actually. Uh, uh, yeah, I was. Uh, yeah, when when I just see people like that, generally, um, I just I just feel a type of way. I'm just like, please don't fuck them up. <laughs> just, mm-hmm. just just let them do their thing. Like, put some money behind them. Just, I just just do the just do the simple thing and just throw a bag of cash at them and watch them go. Just just do that. Just do that, right? But, you know, we don't know what happens behind the scenes and we don't know whether that artist actually made the express decision to do this thing that nobody likes. We want the old person back. Uh, we want the, we, we like to win you independent. Like, we don't know whether the artist actually uh, had anything to do with that or if they had everything to do with that. So, and it's such a slippery slope on that front and it's so annoying to even... To even just try and think about, and this this is not worth the not worth the headspace. But uh, that is a great side of it that you uh, introduced, and that's fully appreciated. Uh, but yeah, I feel like overall, just um, to finish off, like I feel streaming has uh, diluted the whole pool in some way. You know, I did mention social media as well, uh, which is another side of it. And I guess there's a lot. I, th- I think it's just. I think the answer is. Yes, but not just streaming. I think we can agree with that. Or maybe it's like all of these things, and they're all encouraging each other. If uh, maybe it's that, like you know, streaming encourages major labels to do this, and encourages streaming uh, streamers to do this, and then social media is thrown in the mix where they're encouraging artists to do this, which encourages the artists to do this on streaming platform, which then encourage you, you know what I mean? It's like a web. Like, I feel like we could literally do just a spider diagram of just like things connecting to each other. And, you know, streaming's a big part of that person, uh, I feel. Uh, a major player, uh, unfortunately. Uh, but even with that said, I feel like there are many other players towards it. And, man, I just. I, I, I just. I, the, the, the older I get, man, the, the more I just see. Like of how just just gradually, incrementally, like how some stuff works, and it's just like, wow, that's garbage. How are people living with this? You know what I mean? And then I just get in my like, uh, uh, just this needs to be better, like kind of uh, mindset, and then never actually you know settling on it because it, um, it's not my steez. Like I'm not an artist. I'm not. A, I'm not a musician, so, you know, I, in some ways, uh, well, I don't say I don't care, but I, I, I would know where to begin as to, like, dismantling that kind of shit, um, but, uh, in film, I definitely have a plan for that, but stay tuned, but anyway, uh, but yeah, there's a lot, there's, I think there's a whole spider diagram to this, I think that's the big, the, the main answer towards all of this. Yeah, I think, um, there's only two things I want to say in response to that. The first is in response to exactly what you just said there. I actually have leaps, so I don't, it doesn't happen incrementally for me. Like something will happen and I'll be like, the whole landscape will reveal itself and I'll be like, oh man, it's nasty out there. <laughs> like, whoa, I didn't even see this. It's like the, the curtain was, you know, then everything was revealed. And the other side of it is, 
it happens in so many different ways. Like it, it happens on social media too, where I was actually talking to a large account on Instagram because I want I really want to grow my Instagram. And we were talking about the kind of things that work. And they're not things I really particularly want to do, but they're things I'm doing anyway because I'm just like, well, I, I want to grow. And I think a lot of the time, and this is why I don't have any, any criticisms towards artists who do this at all. I, I don't, it doesn't affect me if I hear an artist that's doing the same album that 12 other artists have done and gone number one with like, I don't, it doesn't bother me. I like the music or I don't like the music. I'm going to listen to it. I'm not going to listen to it. It doesn't, it doesn't bother me at all. So, and I understand why, because, you know, I do it all the time on hip hop numbers. It's not like hip hop numbers is me. It's not like hip hop numbers is what I want to do all the time. A lot of the time I'm compromising. I mean, it's, you know, not compromising my own values, but more so just really just going like, I know exactly what's going to work. I know exactly the way to word this tweet that it's going to work. It's not necessarily what I would say, but I'm going to say it. Like I'm, you know, I hate harping back on this thing, but like the solo studio album thing, you know, I would, I would class Drake's mixtapes as albums. Like that's just, I wouldn't put that statistic in my head. I wouldn't be like, this is a record but it is because it's solo studio albums. It's just the way that it's been done. And I can't, you know, I can't deny that. That's, it's just not how I would agree with. And Billboard actually posted up some stats a while ago showing the most consecutive number one albums in a row from artists. And Kanye was on there. And I said, but Kids See Ghost went number two. And they're like, yes, but that was a Kids See Ghost album. That wasn't a Kanye album. And I said, well, Watch the Throne went number one and that's included. They say yes, because that was a Jay-Z and Kanye album. And I was like, wait, what? So the duo Kids See Ghost because they got a different name is different? I was just like, I got into this huge thing. And then I was like, you know what? This doesn't even matter, man. Who cares? It doesn't matter. And so, you know, that's that's kind of how I feel about the whole thing. And and I, I'm not I'm not trying to throw shade at artists who do the same that's why i'm trying to say this i'm not trying to throw shade at anyone who sees something that works and does it because that's what i do every single day on social media and that's what you have to do to grow to survive to grow to to mature in this game to make money in this game to you know get followers get listeners get all this shit get plaques and that's why artists like j cole artists like kendrick artists like <clears throat> kanye i'm always going to really respect artists like tyler like Earl, because it's like, you know, they keep pushing the envelope. They keep changing things. They they have created a lane where within this label system, within this streaming system, they can put out whatever they want and it's going to be successful. Now, you could criticize fan bases and say that rabid fan bases are delusional or whatever. Why do you think those people are so committed to these artists? And that's one of the things I really want to impress upon people. Why do you think that artists have such dedicated fan bases for good or for better or worse is because that artist is giving them their personality if you look at Nicki Minaj the amount of personality she's given you over the last 10 12 years is unbelievable it's basically unmatched no one has done what Nicki Minaj has done recently and that's why her fans are so engaged with her that's why they ride for her so hard because they feel like they're riding for a real person you know and a lot of people criticizing Moneybag Yo and saying, how the hell did he go number one two weeks? You know, no one's listening to this album where I'm from. And everyone's like, well, that's because you you aren't on the ground in his hometown. Everyone's listening to this guy because everyone loves this guy because he's built up a massive buzz in his local area because he does a lot of shows. He does a lot of stuff for the community. He's, you know, 
He's, a, he's well known in his area. So you might be in Switzerland being like, who the fuck's listening to Moneybag Yo? Okay, you're in Switzerland, man. Like I'm in Australia. I don't know. So there's all levels to this shit. And you know I don't want to I I don't want to put anything negative on the artist. That's that's what I'm trying to say here because I do it every single day. So I fully understand the system. I'm engaged in the system. I'm part of the system, and um, I don't like it. But I'm sure these artists aren't crash hot about it either. But you know that's the way it goes. That's how you end up with. That's how I end up being able to do interviews with Cal Scrooby and Brick and you know the Lion and Nick and Nagby and hopefully. Uh, RMR, Rumar, I want to interview him, like Chainua, like all these artists. I want to interview these artists, but I would never have gotten the opportunity to do this if I hadn't played the game. And so, yeah, man, that's that's just the point I want to make. There's a, I, f- I figured out a potential new game we could do. Mm-hmm. EP, album, or mixtape. Oh, <laughs> or playlist, or gosh, no, oh, fuck off. <laughs> What are, what other playlist? This is this Fucking is playlist. this one will I, hurt, bro. You. When when Drake did that, when Drake did more life and labeled it as a playlist, I got so pissy. <laughs> I was just like, it's a fucking oh, oh fuck. But so it's funny. Pissed. It's so funny what little tiny things piss us off, eh? Because like I could not care less what he labels it as, but for you, it's like it's a big deal, like the delineation. But like with other things, really piss me off, like the studio album thing versus the kids see goat. That that genuinely pissed me off. The kids see ghosts not being a kanye album that one really grinded my gears but i was like it doesn't matter eh? but anyway yeah i think that would be a cool a cool game to play uh, well uh ben's already mentioned it but i've i wanted to dedicate the lion note to ben uh for starting this uh view of independence series oh, thank uh, you. episode one dropped the other day with how ben loads it carl scrooby uh, which is just fascinating the way you pronounce it. Uh, also, Plaque as well, Plark. Would uh, you say Cal? Would you say Cal Scrooby? Yeah, Cal Scrooby. Okay, yeah, Carl. Carl Scrooby. Carl, Carl. Scrooby. Yeah, it's like you, it's like you had an R in it, like Carl's. Uh, Carl. Carlton. Anyway, Carl Scrooby. Um, but yeah, uh, it was it's it's great. Uh, the fact that you you know did it all yourself, edited it yourself, uh, minimal help from me on my side, uh, and. Obviously, did the written piece uh, via Central Source as well. That was completely an extra, to be honest. I didn't realize you wanted to do that as well. Mm. And that just uh, impressed the fuck out of me that you did uh, both written and uh, the audio itself. And uh, obviously, just sorting out the interview and quality control, etc., etc. It takes a lot. Um, so, I just wanted to give you flowers on that front. And uh, yeah, man, it's a good, uh, it's a good bonus uh, to have uh, on the feed. Uh, of obviously what the ITD is, uh, but yeah, man, it's a it's a good start, and I uh, hope you you know you obviously mentioned interviews you want to do in the future, and hope you get them and more so because uh, this is obviously a very important, you know, obviously to both of uh, to you and to me as well, like the just the the notion of independence and how mm-hmm. it works, and obviously we've talked about it several times over the years. It is important to have that kind of, uh, to have that side of life and to know people are, you know, on their grind and, uh, you know, for once get some sort of shine for it and some sort of respect for it because uh, a lot of it is very thankless and mm. only a few, and only a few people get to a point where, you know, they, I don't know, where they feel like they've done good. Um, there's a lot of, uh, 
there's a lot of self-validation that's needed uh, when it comes to independent life. And uh, But it's good to have other people, such as yourself, to do it for artists and give them their flowers and, you know, also just, you know, journalistically get into their head and uh, see how they think and how they tick and what they do and what their process is. So, so it's all good and it's all... Um, it's all worthy airtime, and uh, it's worthy of everyone's time. So, guys, if you haven't peeped the first episode, dropped a couple of days ago, it's right below this one at this episode, guaranteed. Uh, go give it a spin. It's it's, it's definitely worthy, and uh, you know, hopefully, uh, just you know, cheers to many more on that front. Yeah, thank you, man. And um, I mean, we got a lot coming. Like honestly, that's one of I think eight. So there's seven more to go, and they're going to be rolled out over the next month or so, and. Uh, it's more work than I mean. It's not more work than I anticipated. Like I genuinely am a pretty hard worker, so it's it's all right. But I really think the profile pieces are important because that that profile piece with Scooby, you know, four five hundred clicks in the first day, and the YouTube video's got like ten views. So like, I think the goal really is to have, because you know when you're listening for interviews and listening and trying to find out information on artists, a lot of the time all I get is like an audio. Like I might get Drink Champs episode, which is three hours. How am I going to sit through five Drink Champs version? <laughs> you know what I'm trying to say? Like, because I do a lot of research for this podcast in particular for different artists that I've never listened to before. How am I going to sit through five or six three-hour episodes to get 10 minutes of content out? It's just not possible. So I really want these profile pieces to sit alongside and, and grab the most important parts and have them in text and searchable so that people can go on and be like, okay. But... The other side of it is the conversations we've had have been fascinating and I know they're not going to have a, a mainstream widespread appeal. Like I fully understand that. these are A lot of these artists that I'm going to be doing are very, very underground. But um, the conversations around how difficult it is to be independent but how important it is to stay independent are very valuable. And the goal is, and I want this also to impress upon people, is like, you know, for the last however many years I've been doing hip-hop numbers and digging in the digits, we haven't made money off this and I haven't made, I've made a little bit of money doing work for labels, but this is not a, I don't live off this. But if I ever want to get a job in social media, if I ever want to get a job in radio, if I ever want to get a job in a music label, like having these kind of things in your back catalog and being committed and consistent with them, that's the key. Don't do one or two, do 50, you know, make it a routine. Be like, I'm going to, I'm going to pump these out. The other day I discovered I had like, 60 different published articles all across the internet i had no idea a lot of those were unpaid i just did them for free a couple of things wall street journal i did for free but like i can put that on my resume now and so don't always think and and you know this is all this joe budden stuff that's going on at the moment with rory and mall mall don't always think that that four or five years that you put in for free isn't going to work or isn't going to like come to fruition in the future it might not and a lot of the time you got to do it it's just out of the passion but um it's important to, to remember that there's a reason for doing this kind of stuff and putting your all into it and making sure you produce as much quality as you're capable of. Don't do it half-assed because if you do it half-assed, people are going to see that, you know? And I think that that's coming out now with the Joe Bun podcast, so I'll speak very briefly on that. Like the last month prior to them having the, the kind of dispute, you could tell the quality wasn't there. You could tell that the chemistry wasn't there. You could tell they checked out mentally. And, you know... I just want to impress upon people, if you're going to do something like that, if you're going to do something like whatever I'm doing with the interviews, you're going to do something like our podcast or hip-hop numbers or whatever, be consistent, that's key, but also... 
be good. Be your, the best version of yourself every time you do it. And if you're not capable of giving the best version of yourself and being consistent at the same time, find something where you can do it. One of my favorite accounts on Twitter at the moment is Hip Hop All Day. I talk to him all the time. He does statistical stuff too. And he's the same as me. Like he discovered that Little Wayne had charted on the Hot 100 for 17 straight years. But when he came to me with that idea, I was like, bro, you need to make 100% sure of this shit. And if you're going to say that he's, that's the longest anyone's ever done it, you need to go through every single artist that could have remotely had the possibility of doing that. <laughs> but that's, the, yeah, sounds you make wild, right? so daunting. It is. <laughs> I'll be just like, sh- you know what? <laughs> but you know, when you think about the Carl Scrooby interview, we did two interviews, right? And the first interview wasn't, we couldn't, we couldn't use all of it. So we had to do a second interview. But when the second interview was done, there were parts of the first interview I wanted spliced into the second interview. And you'll hear it if you listen to it. I'm a, I'm a shorty editor. Like I'm, It's my best version of myself, boy. Like you'll hear the, the, the bits where, you know, if you know what you're looking for anyway, like I do, maybe people won't. But I ended up spending probably like 20 hours editing that interview because I just had to. Because I was like, I want this to be the best version. Why would I put out 80%? Why would I put out 70%? And that's what I said to Hip Hop All Day. I'm like, if you're going to do this, put in the extra 30% and make it special. You know, make it special. Don't just say Lil Wayne's done it for 17 years. Tell us it's the most. Tell us he's the only artist to have done that. Discover that because he probably is and you know he probably is. So you put that extra 20, 30% in and it creates something special. And I think that that's what I really hope to do with this this Beauty of Independence series. And um, yeah, I just, I wanted to use that as an excuse to kind of big myself up a little bit, but also big up the artists that I'm interviewing because everyone that I've done so far, that's why when I said see scripture earlier in this episode, 10 fucking years he saved up, right? He has one music video on YouTube. You know why? Because it took him two years to save up for that one music video. Imagine having a dream of being a rapper and just like saving your pennies for 10 years just so you could get a fucking microphone. That is the extra 20%, man. That's the extra 100,000%. Like, I love that. I love those stories, man. And it makes me sad that he had to go through that. But that's the power, man. That's the power of the passion. And yeah, that was all I wanted to say on that. But um, I'm excited for the series, man. I'm excited. And hopefully... I can really start bringing some, like, really start dropping these regularly and uh, bringing some massive names to the table. But we've got to wait and see. Yeah, so we shall we shall see on that front. Ladies and gentlemen, we should end it there. For the Fifth Element Podcast Network, it's been Digging Digits. Hope you enjoyed this episode. I've been Charlie Taylor of the Fifth Element. I've been Ben Carter, Moneybag Yo's number one fan. <laughs> we hope we'll have a good week. We shall always try and do the same. But until the next time. Take it easy, ladies and gentlemen. All right, peace. Digging in the Digits is produced by me and Ben Carter. The show was edited by me. Music for the show is a piece of video games, my bonus points. Thanks to Chill Off Records for the video to use. Socials for the fulfillment, have up by numbers, bonus points, and chill records, be in the full show notes wherever you're listening. It's been a fifth in podcast and production. Thanks for spending time with us. We shall see you next time. We're digging in the digits.